Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. I know it's been a few days since I have come back from my vacation in Denver. Um, immediately after I came back, I had to work for a few days, so I wasn't able to actually uh, get into Wrestle Kingdom 13 review until today. And I had uh, posted it on my Instagram that you would be getting this today, come hell or high water. Um, I will say, though, my vacation in Denver was pretty dang good. A uh, very relaxing vacation, nothing really too crazy. I didn't do anything nuts. Uh, I kept it very low-key, didn't really do any uh, stories or took pictures or anything like that. It was just good to spend time with some friends, relax, and enjoy the new year. Um, unfortunately, on the last day before I had to travel on Friday, uh, I caught a bit of food poisoning. Um, and now I know why I don't eat oysters. So literally, I spent the entire night on Thursday into Friday morning feeling like complete straight garbage. Um, the I got on my flight, took it back, still felt like straight crap, got home, um, fell asleep. Uh, actually got a little bit of food in me after I pretty much vomited and the and went out the other end on uh, pretty much everything I uh, ate the past couple of days. Uh, don't worry about that visual. Um uh, then I worked from Saturday till yesterday, and now I am here today to talk to you guys about professional wrestling, of course. Um, if you didn't catch my uh, preview predictions for Wrestle Kingdom 13, and this is your first time uh, listening to the show, uh, Happy New Year. Uh, I know we're about, what, nine days late <laughs> into that, but Happy New Year nonetheless. Welcome to 2019, and this is the second official episode of the Young Lions Perspective podcast. But I did catch... The All Elite Wrestling Rally yesterday that went on YouTube on uh, being the Elite's channel uh, and Twitter. Everybody and their grandma was talking about if you're a professional wrestling fan and you're a big um, supporter of anything wrestling, uh, more than likely you were watching the AEW Rally as well. And I want to talk about some of the things that went down um, for those of you that may not have caught the rally yesterday. My first impression... Of the uh, of what went down, um, I was curious. Was my curiosity was geared towards who would they have on the roster initially? Who would be the initial names they would have to the roster? We already knew that more than, of course, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, and more than, and possibly Brandy Rhodes um, and Hangman Page as well would be a part of the AEW roster. So that's pretty much what we knew. Um, there were reports coming out of certain things that were going down, but we really didn't know what was going to go down in terms of who, what, what events were going down. We knew of the Double or Nothing event, but we didn't know what capacity the event would be in, where it would be held, when it was going down, anything like that. And then they started breaking everything down. So... Here's what I got out of the rally. We now know, as of right now, SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky are a part of the AEW roster. We then found out that um, AEW signed a deal to bring uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment, which is a uh, promotion over in China. Um, They have signed a deal with them to bring them into AEW which is, uh, I guess, a good deal. 
Um, nothing wrong with that because, you know, they're going to want to start bringing in talent and you're going to have to start building a roster, especially now heading into double or nothing. They then got into right after, after they uh, made the announcement for Oriental Wrestling Entertainment being a part of AEW that on May 25th, Double or Nothing will be taking place in the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm going to say that one more time just in case you were looking at something else or you're checking out a girl's butt. AEW's Double or Nothing will be taking place on Saturday, May 25th, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. We knew of the Double or Nothing. We didn't know when. We now know when. Um, From what I saw on Twitter, StarCast 2 will be going down at AEW's Double or Nothing event, and this is a really big thing for them. I'm really excited now, knowing I can spend another 40 bucks watching AEW Double or Nothing, because I did watch All In uh, last September, and it turned out to be a really good show, in my honest opinion. So after that, uh, AEW Chief Brand Officer Brandi Rhodes came out. She talks about how committed she is to her new role, and that she wants to help bring AEW to the level she believes it's supposed to be at. She says AEW will have a women's division, which is a really good thing for them, with the strongest female talent in the world. She mentions that she sat down with some of the top Japanese talent in Tokyo last week. Uh, she said she had also went when she was in Australia. Uh, she faced the top talent there. And she said that AEW believes so strongly in female wrestlers that they will be paid equally with no sliding scale. And made the confirmation that, of course, Britt Baker has signed with AEW. She's the first woman to sign with AEW. Actually, she was the first talent. Uh, that was reported, reportedly signed to AEW, which is a big deal there. So, um, so they will have a women's division, which is a big, which is a good thing for them because you know having them without it may cause a little bit of outrage. But there's so much female talent in the world of professional wrestling, and you got to think of you know the Shimmers, the Shines, um, Stardoms, you know all the other women's promotions of, across the world that have more than enough talent that AEW can go after and try and bring in and showcase even names that we may not even know yet are going to more than likely be signed to AEW, which is a really good deal. Cause I think women's wrestling should be recognized as much as the, as men's rec, uh, men's wrestling will be recognized. Um, and you got to think of the names that we already know, the Blanchards, the Valkyries, uh, the Bakers, the Greens, all that, and that's that's just an independent version, you know, the storms and all that. But knowing that Britt Baker did officially sign is a good deal. Um, I like the signing; I think it works well with them. They then got in. Uh, they then after uh, Baker did her a little bit of a speech uh, when she said that uh, she wants to take wrestling to new heights, and that she is here as not just the first female signing, but one of the first overall signings, which shows how much AEW cares about women's wrestling. Uh, mentioned she mentioned her medical career, how much she wanted to show people that that you have to go after your passions. Uh, she says she didn't win it all in, but will go double or nothing in Las Vegas in May for uh, their event. So then, Maxwell J. Free, Maxwell Jacob Freeman got signed, which is 
a big fucking deal for those who don't know who Maxwell J. Friedman is, you will very fucking soon. Trust me when I tell you, this guy is a grade A talent. He works very well in the ring. He's a solid fucking heel. I love what he does in the ring, and he gets so much fucking heat when he's doing his thing in the re- in the wrestling ring, man. He is awesome. Uh, he um, said that he's wrestling's fastest rising star, and he was excited for AEW until he found out the rally was going to be held in the dumpster fire that it was Jacksonville, playing up to his heel persona. Um, Right after that, the bad boy himself, Joey Janela, took out Maxwell J. Friedman, introduced Penelope Ford, and they posed with uh, Jackson, who was the uh, mascot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that is also a big deal as well. Um, Joey Janela, a huge talent in the Indies, of course. For those who know, Joey Janela hosts an event, I believe, every year right around WrestleMania time called Joey Janela Spring Break, which is a really cool event from what I've heard. I've never seen it, for, unfortunately. Um, I would like to really check that out because I heard it's a fucking awesome event. But um, Joey Janela is also a, a, a name we all need to know about very, very soon. Uh, I'm very excited to have Janela there because he's a Jersey boy like myself and uh, very proud to have him. They're going to have him in uh, AEW. I'm very happy about that. So Adam Page, of course, who was already going to be a part of AEW, came out. Talked about how excited he is to not have any corporate overload telling him what to do. Uh, I believe he said this is the first jo- uh, first job that he didn't have like uh, a boss to deal with. Um, how he's now working for the fans, for us. Uh, he says working with Cody and the Young Bucks has been among the best times of his life. Uh, he says his plan is to become the first ever All Elite Champion in 2019. And this may have been, at that moment, the second biggest name to come out. None other than the Open the Dream Gate Champion, Pac, came out during this rally. Came out, okay. Don't mind me. I'm just uh, messing around with my PS4. I'm just uh, I was watching a watching a video on it right now on something right now. Don't mind me. This is a big get for AEW, not only because he is a former WWE superstar, but he has ever since he has left WWE has become the biggest one of the biggest names in indie wrestling. Period. Period. Like, I, I a lot of people were going ape shit on Twitter as I was I was trying to live tweet as much as possible um, while I was doing it. Uh, luckily for me, on my phone has picture in picture, so I could tweet while listening to the uh, the rally. He grabs the mic and says he's here in AEW and he's already a champion, and that page couldn't lace his boots. And this, it, it I mean, whew, this is going to be a big fucking deal. For AEW getting Pac. I'm very excited to see who else they can get. If they got a name like Pac already, imagine the names now that can start coming over to AEW. So they hyped up another surprise coming up. Cody comes out with the Young Bucks, of course, with the Jaguars cheerleaders, all elite. 
all the elite fan, all the elite chants coming from the crowd. They then announced that AEW's second show is going to take place in Jacksonville and that a percentage of the gate from the show will go to the victims of gun violence, which is a really cool thing, in my honest opinion. So that's really cool. Um, Comrade, I believe, let me see if I got his, I can get his last name. I was about to say Conrad Murray. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw with that one. <laughs> For the, that's a Michael, Wrestling, uh, Michael Jackson reference, you ought to know. Conrad Thompson and Alex Marvez were the two uh, pretty much hosting the rally for the majority of this show. So Conrad came out, says, uh, of course, second, uh, second show in Jacksonville, and says wrestling is cool again. He then asked the fans who the first AEW champion will be, naming Pac, Cody, Page, and all those. And then came out probably what I thought was the biggest name that came out. None other than the Alpha himself, Chris fucking Jericho, came out. And as far as we know, he is officially signed to All Elite Wrestling. I'm very excited now. I mean, yeah, I saw a lot of people on Twitter giving him a lot of shit. You know, he's in his 40s. He's out of shape. Um, But that motherfucker just had a goddamn dope-ass match with Tetsuya Naito for Wrestle Kingdom. So... For those who can't say, who do say he can't go, watch that match with Naito and then go shut the fuck up. Honestly, go fuck off somewhere. Like, literally. He works up the crowd, getting the crowd to chant his name. He says that things are now going to another level and that he isn't here for the money because he always got the money. He wants to do something different and new. He then says he's an outlaw and that he will be at Double or Nothing in Las Vegas and that he isn't here to change the world. That AEW isn't here to change the world. They're here to change the universe. I won't say that's a bit of a dig to, to WWE, but it's kind of a dig to WWE. Overall, um, the rally was good. Um, it left a lot to be questioned. It left a lot of intrigue with the people who were watching it, who were who weren't there in at uh, Jacksonville for the rally. Um, so we got some good names that are going to be a part of AEW. Of course, SCU, Britt Baker, Adam pa- Adam Page, Hangman Page. I'm I'm sorry. Pac, which is a huge get for them. Um, Chris Jericho, which is also a huge get. Maxwell J. Freeman, Penelope Ford, Joey Janela. We have a little bit more than four months now until Double or Nothing goes down in Las Vegas. The world of professional wrestling, especially in the indies, is about to be in a... Not, I'm not going to say a civil war... Or anything like that, because it's not. Because war means death, and death is not cool. Um, but in terms of, you know, now... Because uh, people, people are already saying that AEW and WWE are going to be at, at, at butting heads. I don't think AEW is nowhere near that where they need to be to start a... Like a brand war against WWE. They just got this off the ground. I think it was New Year's Day on Being the Elite. And they announced that 
AEW was now a thing. That it was official that AEW was going to be out there for the world to see. But this is a big deal. In my honest opinion. I do believe, you know, a promotion like AEW is needed. I do believe, you know, hype for it. it the hype for it is there. The hype for it is already there. Um, now we can... Now, at this point, with me, now, I'm not saying that, um, pun intended, I'm not pun intended, uh, no pun intended, all in on AEW just yet, because it's a, it's still a wait-and-see game. Um, it's still a wait-and-see approach. Now, there are reports stating that there are two, um, there are, uh, what was it, two companies are trying to sign them, uh, trying to do a deal for a TV deal, which would be pretty cool if they can get that, but like I said, everything comes in due time. Everything comes in due time. Right now, the main focus is now on Double or Nothing in Las Vegas. That's what they should be working towards right now. The second thing they should be worried about is getting more talent. Because the talent they have right now ain't going to be enough to fill a card. We all know this. And it's going to be a good wait-and-see game to see who they sign. If I had to make a couple of guesses as to who they might go after, um, I know they're going to try to get Kenny because Kenny's going to be Kenny's the biggest name that came out there. We already know that Kenny Omega has left New Japan. He's, it's already out there. The news has been out there. If you've been living under a rock, well, congratulations. Kenny Omega has left New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, we already know that Kushida is gone from New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, but he's going to be going to WWE from what we know. There's been reports about Okada possibly leaving um, WWE. Uh, actually, leaving no, New Japan. I haven't really heard anything about that, but it wouldn't surprise me with that at all. But Omega is now the biggest name out there. And I spoke with Kevin on this. Um, a couple of days ago when I was in the gym, he and I spoke a little bit. It's been, it had been a while since we had talked and he believes that Kenny Omega will be going to the WWE. Um, me personally, and I'm being brutally honest here. I don't given, you know, the situation with Kenny and WWE. The only reason I wouldn't want him to go to WWE is is what we've been getting as of late. All 2018, you've, if you've watched the product for a majority of the year, you've seen what WWE has put out. Once it hit July of this of last year, and it's weird for me to actually start saying last year and all that shit, so keep uh, bear with me on this. It started it, it started one hell of a decline. Five times they have broken their viewership record. The last four had taken place from October to December, with uh, one of those being the Christmas show, the Christmas Eve show for Monday Night Raw. And as much as people want to say, oh, it was the holidays, people were out and about, I still don't give it, I can't give it the pass. 
I really can't. As much as I would like to, I can't. You've been giving a shitty product all year. Christmas and New Year's are not an excuse anymore. They've had their fun for the past six years of giving a shit product. They said, what, three weeks, three, four weeks ago? Three weeks ago, I believe, that they were going to institute change and that was going to start that night. That does not mean we're going to give a, give change and then just go back to the regular old bullshit that we've been dealing with. Feel me? Why would Kenny Omega... If Kenny Omega is smart, I, I mean, the money... I mean, it, it's a four-year, $23 million deal from what Kevin had told me. The money's there. I get that. I just don't know how WWE could book Kenny the way I believe he should be booked. He's a top star. Anywhere, any any promotion you put him in, whether it be WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Progress Wrestling, pick a promotion, he's your company's top star and should be treated as such. If you put him over on SmackDown, he gets, he gets Daniel Bryan for the title. And should win the title at WrestleMania if that's the case. He goes over to Raw. God help him if he does. He should beat Brock Lesnar and win the Universal Championship. But I just have that weird feeling that they will not do. I still have that feeling that they will not do right by Kenny Omega. My reservations with him going to WWE will be there. With AJ Styles two years ago. When he came over from New Japan to WWE, it was a big thing. Um, got to the Royal Rumble at number three. And it was a really big shock. Um, honestly, with his first initial, I'd say, six months, it was decent. Um, an unfortunate loss at WrestleMania that fans that you should never fucking forget that he lost his first ever WrestleMania match. Faced Roman Reigns for the championship. Lost when he should have won. And the club should have been formed. And they should have had club versus shield. But that's neither here nor there. That ship sailed. Um, AJ Styles, you know, became WWE champion in 2017. Beating Jinder Mahal and that atrocious championship reign. And then lost it to Daniel Bryan. It was a very solid run over a year. Fantastic. I just don't know how WWE can conceive a booking, the booking of Kenny Omega. If he did, if he does go to WWE, I'd be fine with it. I'll still have my reservations, and I only give him until WrestleMania to figure it out. After that, if they don't do right by Kenny, it's a failure in and of itself. If he and that's my that's how I feel about that. If he does go to AEW, I would also believe that you know he he doesn't. My my thought I I can't read his mind. No one can read Kenny's mind but Kenny. It's Kenny's decision to make. At the end of the day, if he does go to AEW. 
pretty much there will be a I would I would say there will be a bit of a seismic shift in terms of opinion on WWE. The in my honest opinion, Omega is the top guy in the world. He is my male MVP for 2018 for a reason. It would be it would be a pretty for me personally, like I've said, like I stated, I don't want him in WWE. I don't think that it's just, you know, you, he has to be a main eventer straight away. AEW would give him the platform to actually kill it and do what he wants to creatively. And that's a big thing too. Creatively, will WWE do right by him? Will they give him that creative control to do what he wants to do, say what he wants to do, make the matches that he wants to make? Have the have, face guys that he wants to face. You know? I don't know. And, and, and that's the biggest part of this whole EEW deal is Kenny. Kenny is the biggest get. Kenny goes to AEW, shift goes over to AEW. Kenny goes to WWE, a lot of people start going towards WWE. Um, but I will say, though, let it be known, I do not believe he will be at the Royal Rumble. If it's the case. As far as I know, his contract is up at on January 31st. Yes, and I'm reading this right now from uh, GiveMeSport.com. Um, when, uh, this is from uh, Ben Wignall. Random. And he's saying that uh, when Kenny Omega dropped the IWGP heavyweight title, spoiler, uh, to Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom 13 last week, the rumor went to complete and utter meltdown over Suture and New Japan Pro Wrestling. With his contract expiring on January 31st and no news of a fresh one being signed, it's increasingly likely that his future lies away from the land of the rising sun. And when you think about his fellow faction members, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks revealed all elite wrestling without him, you kind of have to think he may not be going with them either. So that really leaves only one option for a man of Omega stature, WWE. I'm not going to read the rest of it because, you know, I just want to make to confirm that it was January 31st. So January 30, so January 27th, Royal Rumble, he will not be there. Contractually, he cannot be there. So, for the moment, people who are trying to say he's going to WWE, y'all gotta chill. Y'all kind of have to chill on that for a minute. And at this point, everything's up in the air still. We still don't know who will be signed for AEW. We still don't know if they're going to get a TV deal. But like I said, the TV deal will come Later, you know, you want the success of Double or Nothing to happen first before you start getting a TV deal and having television shows episodically week week after week. At the end of the day, and I'm damn near going on almost 30 minutes, Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, all elite wrestling, in my opinion, could be a success. It could. Um... I know a lot of some people have favorable opinions on Cody. Some people, like my boy Kevin, shout out to Kevin, despise him, <laughs> to say the least. Um, I think this is a big venture for them. This is a huge venture, and the support of the Khan family of the Jacksonville Jaguars um, is, is a really big deal. They believe in this product. They believe in Cody and the Young Bucks and what they're doing. 
I want to believe in them too. At this point, who they sign, who they get, you know, who decides to make that transition over to AEW is anyone's guess at this point. You know, there's, you know, the Pentagons, the LAXs, you know, there's so many I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but that's neither here nor there. If AEW wants to be a success, they're going to have to, this is going to be the biggest project, this is going to be the biggest project in the history of professional wrestling. And if Double or Nothing is successful, it may have stars, even that are in WWE right now, want to move over to that promotion once their contracts are up. This is a very different era now in 2019. We're reaching uncharted territory here. And I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see who else they're going to be signing in the next couple of months. I'm excited to see what the next event for Jacksonville is going to be like. I'm already looking forward to it. I'm very excited for what they're about to do. But you know what I'm else excited about? Talking about Wrestle Kingdom 13. This is episode 40. I can't believe we're already at 40. Thank you so much for supporting me through the first 39. So let's make 40 special, shall we? Once again, this is episode 40 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. going on guys zach from the wrestling with issues podcast here and welcome to episode 40 of the young lions perspective so glad to have you guys here with me today wherever you may be wherever you are in the world thank you so much for taking time out of your day your night your afternoon your evening whatever time you're checking out this podcast thank you so much for checking out the podcast i truly and greatly appreciate it as always and today if you follow me on instagram at young underscore lions underscore perspective you would have known that, of course, we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom 13. But instead of me going over match by match, which would literally take me forever, and I know I'm trying to get this up before NXT UK goes down, um, where they're going to have the uh, Grizzle Young Veterans take on uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster uh, to determine who will be in the finals of the uh, NXT UK Tag Team Championship Tournament, I want to do a little something different. So today, I'm going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the very ugly. That was Wrestle Kingdom 13. It's a little something different, a little spin on things. Um, Something I've really been thinking about the past couple of days. Uh, I know I'm pretty late to the party, of course, in terms of talking about Wrestle Kingdom 13. But of course, like I always say, I have a life. I have a job. I still, you know, have to do things. So, um, I figured I'd do a little, little bit of a bit of a twist on talking about Wrestle Kingdom 13. Um, my initial thoughts on Wrestle Kingdom 13 itself. Uh, it took me actually about three days to actually finish watching the entire thing. Like I said, I have a job. I'm still working, so I still have to take care of um, that aspect of my life. Um, but overall, as a show, it was good. It was a it was a very it was a good show. Um, 
there were a lot of matches. There, were, uh, I believe it was like uh, ten matches on the card. Um, every match besides one, so I believe nine had uh, a title match implications that were involved in the matches. Um, so that in and of itself was pretty cool. Uh, actually, no, there was ten because of the uh, pre-match uh, rumble that went down for the never open weight uh, six-man tag team number one contenders match. So ten matches on the card, and like I said, overall it was a good, it was a very good card in terms of what we got, in terms of what we were being given. Um, I didn't know about the pre-match rumble until I, I initially watched the Wrestle Kingdom, and then I watched Wrestle Kingdom. So, I'm going to get into the good real quick before we get into the, the shit part of the program. And I may go off on a couple of things, which really shocked me about Wrestle Kingdom in and of itself. But the good I want to start off with is was the never open weight championship match between Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay. And what I really enjoyed about this match is the backstory of Will Ospreay. Um... Uh, I believe it was Don Callis who had stated that, you know, he idolized Ibushi. He idolized Kota Ibushi, and he was one man, he was one of the guys that he wanted to face in the ring. Uh, It was a big deal for him to face Kota Ibushi, and he wanted to beat him. Uh, That was a really nice backstory about this match in and of of itself. Um, This was considered a dream match in most people's eyes, especially mine, because it was a match that I didn't know I wanted until we actually got it in front of us and we sat down and we watched it and we took it all in for the wonderful meal that it was. This was actually a lot better match than I expected. Um, The fact that it opened up Wrestle Kingdom 13 on the main card was a huge plus in my book. I really love that. Uh, Two guys who can really go. um, Osprey still fighting off uh, injury, the rib injury that he had. Um, that he suffered earlier in the year, early last year, I should say. Jesus, I gotta really start talking like I it was last year's. Don't mind me. Bear with me, people. Um, last year uh, also added a little bit more depth to the match. Like I said, I really enjoyed it, every bit of it. Um, it was under 20 minutes, but I believe this match got more than enough time to let the uh, story be told. Um, Crazy, there's, there's a lot of crazy spots in this match. And one in particular that uh, I wanted to get into was the towards the ending of the match, um, where pretty much uh, Will Ospreay took off his uh, elbow pad. Ibushi was on his knees. Uh, just I believe it was after... Um, oh, I'm trying to think of what... Let me see. Um, let me look at it right here. I'm trying to look at... Uh, this is for, off of 411mania.com. So it was after the Cradle uh, cradle Storm, uh, Cradle Tombstone. Um, he hit a, uh, Osprey hit a um, kicks, uh, spinning back elbow, uh, hit the Stormbreaker again, and uh, got the three count for the victory. But what, what that last part, last bit of the match, he hit Ibushi with a, a very hard back elbow. To the back of Abushi's head, laying him clean out. That was insane. I was not expecting that at all. Uh, that was it was one spot that I was thinking, holy fucking shit. I don't I honestly wasn't expecting really 
any part of that at all. It shocked me big time. And I was I was just clean. I was just clean shocked. Uh, another spot in the match where uh, I believe it was the uh, Ibushi was going for the golden uh, triangle uh, moonsault. Um, he goes off the top. He literally did this. Like, it it kind of went back. It harkened back to uh, Ricochet Adam Cole when they had their match to take over Brooklyn Four last year. When uh, Ricochet springboarded off the middle rope, hit going for a moonsault, and Adam Cole kicked them, super kicked them right in the throat. Uh, that's what kind of remind me of when uh, Osprey hit a roundhouse kick right to Abushi's throat as he was coming down and laid out on the floor. That was, excuse me, a crazy spot for me in this match. Um, also, uh, the reverse, the um, the one spot in the match where they were pretty much countering. It was like an eight, nine, move, eight or nine move uh, reversal spot that they had. Um, I believe Ibushi was going for the power bomb. Osprey got out of that. Osprey was going for the Stormbreaker, and they went back and forth about four or five times with that. That was an amazing spot also in that match. This was a very hot-fought matchup for the IWGP, uh, IWGP uh, Never Openweight Championship. Uh, I was very impressed by the fact that these two did get the opening spot. Their pace was just fan-fucking-tastic. The pace of this match was what anyone should expect. If you've ever seen a Kota Ibushi or, or a Will Ospreay match, you know the pace is going to be a bit fast-paced. They're going to turn it up to 11, and they definitely set off the card in the right tone, in my honest opinion. They set the tone very, very early, and it was just one of those things. It was just one of those matches where it's like, okay, if this is how it's going to go, in my mind, you're probably thinking the rest of the match, the rest of the card is probably going to be pretty fucking sweet. So, uh, congratulations to Will Ospreay on becoming the new Never Openweight Champion. I was very, very surprised by uh, Will Ospreay winning. I had, I believe I had Ibushi uh, retaining the championship. Um, after the match, Ibushi was carried out on a stretcher due to the back elbow that Ospreay gave him before he hit Stormbreaker to win the title. So hopefully, uh, I wish Mr. Uh, Ibushi well. Um, hope he returns back to the ring soon. Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna go you know storyline blah 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 um, because that was a really mean shot. Regardless, if you've ever seen an MMA fight and dudes getting back hit in the back of the head, um, it actually reminded me of a, a. I think I was watching the Ultimate Fighter a few years ago. I believe it, I'm not sure if it was CB Dalloway, but I believe it was um. If it was another fighter, uh, he accidentally hit got hit in the back of the head. Um, he gets hit in the back of the head. They stop the fight for a minute, just let uh, the fighter try to get his bearings back to see if he can still continue. He wanted to continue, and unfortunately, he lost the fight um, due to that. Um, but you know, Dana White went up to the fighter and even told him, "Say sometimes you know it's okay to you know not continue. You know, you got hit in the back of the head, you got rocked." Um, with this, you know, any, I've been hit in the back of the head a couple times, not by anyone actually being attacking me. I've accidentally hit myself in the back of the head by a shelf. I was out for a good minute or two because of it. I came to, and I was like, what the fuck happened? You know? So I, I felt that feeling before. So seeing that spot really made me cringe just a tad bit, but I was very, but it was a, it was a good shock ending to the way they actually, um, 
end of this matchup. So, like I said, congratulations to Will Ospreay. Um, I'm, not, I'm curious to see what they're going to be doing with Ospreay now that he has the title. Who's the next guy that's going to be facing him? The other, one of the other uh, good things I loved about Wrestle Kingdom 13, there's a lot, actually a lot, a lot of good that came out of this. So, not, it's not this, like I said, it's, this is a very good show by my standards. Um, what I, what another match that I really, 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 really liked was Tomohiro Ishii taking on Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Um, this was this was one of the matches I really was anticipating going into Wrestle Kingdom 13. Um, one of the one fact being that they were introducing a new Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship, and I saw the belt, and I love the new look of the belt. I did love the old look of the belt of Rev Pro's uh, title before, but the new Rev Pro British Heavyweight title looks so effing clean. Uh, I love that look. Uh, it looks, it, it kind of looks like the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship a little bit. So it kind of, so it was like, okay, so they're kind of like trying to suit with New Japan standards here. And I really, really like that. So it was very, very cool to see that in and of itself. Um, so that was one of the things, that was one of the reasons I love this match. The other, one of the other reasons I love this match was because the fo- the focus of the story was Zack Sabre Jr. really trying to go for the submission for the majority of the match. I really enjoyed that. Of course, we already know Zack Sabre Jr. is a submission specialist, but he really, really focused on taking out the arm of Ishii and trying to prevent him from hitting the uh, vertical uh, suplex uh, block bu- Well, not the bu- the brain bur- uh, brain buster. I'm sorry. Um, it was a very physical matchup. I was very surprised that you know Zach went a little bit harder than he usually does. He is strong style, but he is part of the strong style deal. But I think he took it up with Ishii, and I've seen this with the Suzuki matches that he had with him. Sabre Jr. took it to an extra level with Ishii. I think these two really wanted to go out there and put on a solid match. Um, these two really put on a display of, you know, strong style, submission. They really wanted to go for, you know, definitely not only displeasing the crowd, but definitely, you know, showing that showcasing that that, st- that these two really have good chemistry with each other, and that was a big plus. That's always a big thing with me. If, like, let's say Kevin and I, you know, Kevin, myself, and Nick have like a three way match, we already have good chemistry with each other. We're cool with each other. I talk to them on a, on a good basis. But as wrestlers, if we have very good chemistry with each other, we can always produce good matches, even if it's just myself versus Kevin or myself versus Nick. If we have good chemistry with each other, we're always going to produce solid work. It may not always be our best match, but we're always going to put on a solid match that the fans can go home and say, yo, that match with Kevin and Zach, that was a good match. That match with Kevin and Nick, that was really good. That three-way match against each other, that was fucking amazing. That's what I mean by good chemistry. And Ishii and Sabre Jr., they look like they have good chemistry. Ishii and Suzuki, when they had their matches last year, they had very solid chemistry. Um, One point in the match that I really, really, really loved um, was Sabre firing away with kicks, Ishii cutting him off with a powerbomb, 
and hits that for a two count. They start trading back. Ishii hits a headbutt, um, follows up with a lariat. That only got a two count. He goes for the Brain Buster again. Saber countered out of the Brain Buster, locks in a choke. Ishii slid out of that. Saber gets the European clutch that got a, a, seri- a close near fall. Um, Ishii hit the sliding lariat. Saber locks in the guillotine and then locks in the Cobra Twist. Um, logged in, uh, drags Ishii to the mat. Ishii tried to fight him off uh, and then locked in an amazing submission on Ishii. I couldn't even, I don't even know what the hell it was called. I believe it was the Cobra Twist. But he had both of his arms locked up. And that was more than enough to Ishii to give up. Surprisingly, that was the end of the match. But that was a really, really solid sequence of moves that led to the ending of that match. That really amazed me. And I was really shocked that they had Ishii tap, actually give up, instead of, you know, Ishii uh, getting hit with the Zack Driver and uh, Sabre Jr. getting the victory off of that. I did have Ishii winning. Uh, I figured Ishii was going to slay Suzuki-Goon for good, and he can go on about his way and move on to the next uh, contender in uh, Rev Pro, whoever that man would be. But there was a little bit of history there between with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. He became the first ever three-time Rev Pro undisputed British heavyweight champion. So it's really going to be interesting to see what Rev Pro does with Zack Sabre Jr. going forward, and especially with Suzuki-Goon as well, moving forward into the whole deal. Now, the next, now, the other, there was two other matches that I thoroughly enjoyed. And I mean, there's, I mean, it's the last, of course, the last three matches of of the uh, event was solid. Um, One was the Chris Jericho, Tetsuya Naito match. Of course... If you know anything for one second, you knew Jericho Naito was going to attempt to steal the show. The fact that Jericho wanted a no disqualification match against Naito added more to it. Because it harkened back to last year when uh, Omega faced Jericho for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship in a no DQ match. Would I say Jericho's match with Naito in a no-DQ match was better than Omega's? I would say no. I think, excuse me, I think his match with Omega was much better, was much, much better than the match he had with uh, Naito this year. But that's not to say that this match wasn't awesome. It was very, very aggressive from the beginning. It was, it was absolutely aggressive. Jericho came out. Uh, doing his uh, entrance. Naito immediately went after him as he was about to come into the ring, and the match started right away. There was no waiting period. There was no um, Naito taking off his uh, his gear before the match started. He was already out of his gear before the match even fucking started, which was ac- absolutely impressive. Um, I So it added more to, this, to the seriousness of the match. And it was fucking awesome. Uh, there were so many good spots in this match that um, that I really loved. One other thing I love is that Naito removing the buckle pad, um, not Toriano style that I that I really like very much, but he really wanted to make this a no DQ match uh, and definitely added something um, towards the end of that match. I love the fact that they used a shit ton of chairs. In this matchup, I enjoyed every bit of that. 
you know, especially with the spot that uh, I believe Jericho is going trying to go for a power bomb, and uh, Naito came down with a solid uh, DDT on Jericho right onto the chairs. Uh, the spot where he uh, spiked DDT Naito on the announce table. Uh, he then rang the bell right afterwards and says he won the match, pissing off the crowd. Uh, that was a funny spot that I really enjoyed. Uh, like I said, the uh, the Naito hitting the uh, Jericho with his own finisher of the Code Breaker. That was a really dope spot. I really enjoyed that. That was it was fucking insane. They were really going after each other's moves. Um, Chris Jericho throwing a chair at Naito. Naito German suplex him onto a pile of chairs. The spot where he shoved uh, the ref. Jericho actually shoved the ref and kicked him with a low blow. Hits the code breaker. That surprisingly got the two count. That was absolutely fucking crazy. Uh, it, it was just so. Uh, there, this match was just so much fun to watch from beginning to end. It was. It was really. It was really fun. Um, that was the. That was probably the top match I was really looking forward to. That's not to say the Tanahashi Omega match wasn't tops in my mind. But it was a match I was supremely high on, and I knew it could really live up to the hype that was, you know, wrestle. It screamed wrestle. It screamed Wrestle Kingdom thirteen. You knew when Naito Jericho was was made. You knew Wrestle Kingdom thirteen was about to be bigger than it was. And the, I mean, in the end, Naito hits Destino, gets the three count, wins the title, ends Jericho, and pretty much Jericho was just done. Uh, with New Japan right after that, because now he is in AEW with uh, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks. Uh, I really enjoy this match. This is probably one of my favorite matches of the night, hands down. You know, it was a very good game plan, the way they went about this. It was very to the point. Naito wasn't fucking around, and neither was Jericho. I loved it. I loved every bit of this match from beginning to end, and it was only one of two matches that went over 20 minutes. The other match that went over uh, 20 minutes was, of course, the main event between Omega and Tanahashi. And that's another good that I, of course, have in this matchup, uh, in this uh, Wrestle Kingdom card, the good, the bad, and the ugly. This was a bit... This was a story about two guys who had separate ideologies, you know. Tanahashi was of the old guard still. You know, believing that, you know, these new guys, you know, that whole new guy deal was all about this and that and the third and all this. Um, and Kenny Omega was had that feeling of like, you know, Tanahashi has had his time. You know, Tanahashi's had this time and his I believe, he felt that his time was up. This was a a solid match. I'm not gonna say that it wasn't. This is was a very, very solid match. Of course, being the main event, it had to really lock in. It had to really finish off the night correctly. I enjoyed this match. Um, I actually watched this match this morning, again, just to uh, to re-familiarize myself with that. Um, It was no surprise that the Bucks were in the corner of Omega because Obushi was stretched out uh, earlier in the night in the beginning. So there was no craziness there. There were so... I mean, the spots in this were crazy. The high fly flow that Tanahashi went for off the top on the outside that he missed and went to the table. Um, with Don Callis saying that Omega should have went for the count out right, immediately right there to retain the championship. Um, and Omega not doing so and bringing him right back in. That was a very, very nice moment there. 
Um, and I guess it, I mean, Callus was right in saying it, it did come back to bite him and bite his ass in the end. Um, Omega pretty much uh, hitting a desperation drop kick. Omega slamming him onto the announce table in front of Chono. Uh, Omega following that up with a moonsault from the barricade. That was a really nice spot. Getting a table, and that which led to the uh, the the, later, the Tanahashi missing the high five flow on the outside later on in the match. Um, Tanahashi uh, Omega actually was a bit more heelish uh, in this matchup when I that I noticed. Uh, it was a little bit interesting that Omega kind of had a, a bit of more of a heel persona in this matchup than I was than I was I'm used to. I know Kenny was more so a good guy after he had uh, kind of shot away from the Bullet Club and started the Elite, and he was more of a good guy um, in this matchup. The uh, spot where they were literally throwing uh, like slaps on each other, just slapping the shit out of each other. If you ever if you ever slap box before with your buddies, um, you're you're not, you're going hard in the paint. You know you're already you're trying to slap the shit out of each other. You know, it's just slap shots, and they were going for it immediately. Kenny had, was getting the better of Tanahashi, and he slapped the shit out of fucking... He slapped the shit out of Tanahashi, and Tanahashi then came back, slapped the ever-loving shit out of him. It was it was fantastic. Um, the, the major story of the match was Omega's knee, and Tanahashi then going after it. It was at one point in the match where he was going for You Can't Escape, where he hit the uh, rolling uh, rolling slam on him, but he couldn't follow up with the moonsault. And uh, he tried, and so he had to stop for a second to work, uh, make sure his knee was okay. Goes up to the middle rope. Tanahashi grabs his leg and hits him with a, a sickening dragon screw leg takeover. And I, I immediately thought, he just took out his leg. His leg is done. His leg is fucking done. Um, the reverse, the amount of reverse Rana's, in this matchup, the V, the amount of V triggers um, in this matchup were a fucking amazing. Of course, Omega always comes in with a V trigger. Uh, Tanahashi getting hit with his own sling blade by Omega that was pretty fucking cool. Uh, and what I would and one thing before before the match even started, when Kenny came out, his entrance was I think in my opinion was entrance of the night. Come out to like coming out to like uh, a Game Boy esque style video. Uh, of him approaching the ring to Tanahashi and starting all that. The outfit he came out with, of course, being the one-winged angel. It was fucking awesome. It, it really playing to that video game style that Kenny Omega does have. Of course, the whole Mega Man deal earlier in his career. That was fucking awesome. This was a very back-and-forth match. It wasn't, it was, there were, of course, there were parts where one man was dominant over the other, and then one man came back into the match and started firing back. This was a solid match from beginning to end. Um, in the end, Omega went up for the one-winged angel. That got countered. Tanahashi hits the sling blade on him. He went up top, hits the high fly flow, and got the three count. And Tanahashi is now an eight-time IWGP heavyweight champion. A lot of people, I'm sure, uh, were sour about the fact that Omega did lose to Tanahashi, but then we found out Omega was leaving New Japan. So knowing that, it actually makes sense. And this is why I wanted to do it the way I wanted to, in terms of the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there was so many, so much news that came out of Wrestle Kingdom 13 as a whole that for me to talk about the event and just me talking about shock stuff 
would just not, it didn't make sense to me to do it like, do it the way I usually do it, talking about an event from beginning to end. Now, let me see if there was, if there was one other, um, one other, and, and this is a surprisingly good thing that I, that I felt came out of this. Jay White beating Okada. Jay White beat Kazuchika Okada. This was probably the shocking upset of the night. I believe I did have Okada winning over Jay White to complete to what I felt completed the story of Okada finally getting one over on Jay White and Gato and all that. But when I look at it now, after everything that was going on, this the match was this made Jay White a star. They, I, I, of course, with all the reports that Omega leaving, uh, Kushida leaving, and all, you know, Cody, the Young Bucks leaving, um, they need to now start making new stars. So it's no surprise that now they're looking at Jay White to be a top guy in New Japan. Um, as of right now, before before everything happened, you had Omega, Okada, Tanahashi, and Naito. Those were your four. Those were your four big Top guys. If you want to add Jericho for the, for the for the whole year of 2018, you have five. At this very moment, we don't know what's going on with Okada. Omega has now left New Japan. So then that left Tanahashi and Naito. So now you have to start building bigger names. Um, Jay White, in my honest opinion, can be a top star in New Japan. And this victory over Okada does say a lot about what they want to do with JY going forward. Will he challenge now for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship uh, to try to exact revenge over Tanahashi uh, when they face each other at Wrestle Kingdom 11 for the Intercontinental Championship? That remains to be seen. I, I haven't seen New Year's Dash yet, so I can't... I can't really go off of... Because usually New Year's Dash sets up everything that's going to be going down for the year. Um... But I will say, White beating Okada is a good thing. You know, I mean, it's not to say Okada losing drops his stock that much. But I will say, Jay White now, you know, getting elevated to main event status does help his cause, does help New Japan's cause. And I think that, because Jay White's pretty much been beginning to set up. I mean, having a few with Okada alone does elevate your status. And now him being part of the Bullet Club OCBGs, OGBCs, I should say, I'm sorry does help that cause big time. It really does. I think it does. And I can't wait to see what White does now that he did beat Okada. I love the fact that Okada came out in his old Rainmaker gimmick. He came out to the whole, the the old music, the old gear, came out in the shorts. I was thoroughly happy with that. You know, Turning back the hands of time as Chris Charlton had said it. And by the way, I love me some Chris Charlton. I uh, love the fact that he knows Japanese and he understands the history of, excuse me, New Japan wrestling as a whole. That was That is awesome. And I think he's going to be a huge asset in 2019. Look out for Chris Charlton. Uh, they keep doing him, keep having, doing him. That, that just came, that came out terribly wrong. I beg your pardon. If he, if they keep, working with him and having him do stuff like that, I think not only is going to be a great third man on commentary, him knowing the history of New Japan also adds a little bit more flavor 
to matches. Uh, they he he is he absolutely killed it the entire night for me. Him, Don Callis, and Kevin Kelly, fucking awesome. I absolutely love that. But I love you know Okada coming out to his old Rainmaker gear, the shorts, no pants. I didn't like him in pants. Never, never, you know, got to keep him in old gear. So it was, so it's a good thing for White to actually now being elevated to top star status. That was the main focus of this match. Uh, his his entire 2018 was a really good building year for him. And I can't wait to see now what they're going to do going forward, given the fact that, you know, G.O.D. lost their tag titles. Ishimori, Ishimori is now a junior heavyweight champion. You know, what, how, what, what is the OGBC crew going to do going forward? You know, what are factions going to be heading into going forward? It's going to be interesting what they're going to do with Jay White. Now with every good, there is always bad and there is always ugly. I'm going to start with some bad stuff. Okay. Um, it's not it, it's not bad everything, but it's going to be some weird stuff. Um, bad, number one. Number one right out of the gate. And it harkens back to the pre-Rumble match, uh, pre-show gauntlet match to determine the number one contenders for the never open weight six-man championships. Why in God's name would you not have the Killer Elite Squad and Minoru Suzuki fight for the Never Openweight Six Man Tag Team Championships over the OGBCs? Is is my is my fucking guess. I was shocked that they would have, they would have had Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe win over that. Um, it was a big head scratcher for me as to why you wouldn't want faction versus faction. I would have loved, 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 loved to see Suzuki Goon and the OGBCs go to war against each other. I understand it's heel versus heel uh, type deal, but they—I think they really missed out on a big opportunity to have faction to have faction warfare. Especially, especially you got to think of it like this: you could have easily had Jay White versus Minoru Suzuki. Think about that. You could have had Jay White versus Minoru Suzuki over brand, over faction warfare. Feel me? Like It's just crazy to believe that they missed out on that big opportunity. I would have loved to see that match between those two. That's not to say it may not happen in the future, but, you know, they could have started that feud between each other. And and you got to think with New Year's Dash, that sets up everything for the entire year, for the entire 365 days of 2019. That's going to be going down because the way New Japan does it and WWE does it, a little, uh, starts theirs off in April. Their year ends in April, but our, but their starts in January calendar year makes sense. And they go through the entire year of facing each other back and forth, making their way to Wrestle Kingdom 14. And they really, like I said, they've missed out on a huge opportunity to have this particular brand warfare, especially with the OGBCs 
getting their first big major brand uh, faction feud against a, a very big Suzuki Goon heel squad. Think of the matches you could have had with that. You could have had the Killer Elite Squad with Lance Archer and Davey Boy Smith Jr. taking on the GOD in, a, in, a, in what could have been a solid feud. You know, trying to get back to prominence and facing Sanada and Evil for the uh, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team titles. Um, Ishimori, you know, who is part of, it was the junior heavyweight champion uh, right now. They could have had him and Zack Sabre Jr. fighting for the junior heavyweight championship if they wanted to go that route. Uh, him and Takamishinoku fighting for the top title. Um, it, it's, it's crazy for me to believe that they would want to not, they would rather miss out on that opportunity to have brand versus brand, especially a team that's been formed like the OGBCs. Now they have guys like Jay White, Gato, Jado, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, Ishimori, Fale, um, you know, all that. And just the matches you could have created out of that creates a huge missed opportunity for me. And it's a word, and those two words are going to be saying, I'm going to be saying a lot with the bad. So that, that was one bad, that, that was a huge bad deal that I really, 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 really missed, really didn't like about, about Wrestle Kingdom 13. Another, another bad that I really didn't like. And I really did like this match. I did like this match between Kushida and Taji Ishimori. I just wished that that match would have gotten a few more minutes. I would say at least five to seven minutes between the two. I felt it went too short. Uh, 411mania.com had it clocked at uh, 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, It was, I mean, the, the right man won. If you think about it, the right man won. Taiji had to beat Kushida, especially given the fact that Kushida was is now going over to WWE. Uh, more than likely would join 205 Live, honestly, if they want to do that, right? But it felt like it didn't get into that last gear that it needed to get into before the match ended all so suddenly, you know what I mean? Um in the end, with that match, uh, Kushida, uh, Taiji Ishimori went for a bloody cross. Kushida countered it, looked for the hoverboard lock, rolls into it, and he locked it in. Ishimori powered out, followed up with a Death Valley driver. He then followed with some charging knees. Uh, he counters bloody cross again, uh, and it's back to the future. Um, Kushida went for a second. Ishimori fought that out, fought that off. Uh, hits a big right. Uh, big right was hit by Kushida. Ishimori followed it up with a running double stomp and then went right into the bloody cross. To end that match, um, like I, like I said, it I felt like it didn't get into that last gear it needed to get into before it ended, and that's and I was kind of a and after the match was over, it felt like you know the wind had been taken out of the sails a little bit. You know what I mean? Like the wind was taken out of the sails. I was just looked. I was just sitting there like, what? That that's it? That that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was a very big thing. It was, it was one of those things where I was just a little disappointed, honestly. So, um, the last, if, if, if I want to say last bad, was, and, and it's, it's, it's not a knock on, uh, 
the tag team title matches. Um, I felt both title matches were also cut short. Um, this is a real, I mean, especially the junior heavyweight tag team championship match. This match only went like seven minutes. And I was fucking, I was just surprised by this. Um, really, really surprised by the fact that, you know, both title matches went short. I mean, the heavyweight team championship match went 10 minutes. Um, it was very weird to see just those, I mean, I understand, you know, you, you want to give enough time for, you know, the big headline matches, the Naito Jericho's, the, um, Omega Tanahashi's, the Whites and Okada's, but to have matches go that short, especially for two three-way tag matches, was very shocking to me, and that and that that's a bad for me. Um, especially like I said, especially the junior heavyweight tag team championship was a very very sh- was about as short as you can get. It was about as short as a old school as an older like with the cruiserweight matches in WWE when uh, the cruiserweights initially were rolled out into Raw. Um, they were doing six man tags and they were only getting like four or five minute matches. That's not enough time to get a lot of shit off. You you gotta really. It's literally taking 20 minutes of match and, con- and condensing it into like a five to eight minute window. So you can't really do all of that. If there was a good that came out of this match, it was that Shingo Takagi is now a fucking star. They positioned Shingo to be the star of the match. And I'm going to make a bold prediction right here, right now. First one of 2019. Shingo Takagi is going to be your IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion in 2019. I think I'm going to actually go with two. I think the way they're positioning Takagi right now, I believe, I predict he's going to win the best of the Super Juniors tournament. And I believe he's going to be the one, if Ishimori is still champion, to take the title off of Ishimori. That's my my first two bold predictions of 2019. Takagi wins best of Super Juniors. Takagi wins the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. The way they've been positioning him since his debut last year, um, they it looks like they've been positioning him to be the top guy to, to be a top guy in the Junior Heavyweight Division. I'm gonna take a sip of coffee real quick. That's the way I see it. So don't be surprised if in 2019. Both of those things happen because though it's it's you, if you're if you're a New Japan guy, you can see it. You can see the way the way they did it, albeit a short match. They really positioned Takagi to be the lead to be the focus of the match. They really focused Takagi to be one of the main guys in the junior heavyweight division, tag team or singles. Excuse me. Like I said, don't be surprised if. Takagi gets gets those two things. I think, and, and Takagi has the look, he has the move set, and he can definitely handle himself in the ring, especially with the power that Ishimori has. I think they could go power for power against each other whenever they decide to have that go down. Finally, let's get to the ugly. And 
This was probably, in my opinion, the worst match of Wrestle Kingdom 13. Cody Rhodes versus Juice Robinson for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. This was probably the one match where I literally said out loud, and mind you, I was at work on my uh, break watching this, just sitting there watching it, and immediately after the match was over, I said to myself, what the fuck did I just fucking watch? This match went literally nine minutes, and I wish the match never even happened. I was really pissed off about this match. For the simple fact that I knew this was going to be the redemption story for Juice Robinson. Can he get back the title he lost to Cody? It just sucked. It really fucking sucked. And it's not... I mean, yeah, Cody Rhodes was going to be leaving for AEW anyway. I understand that. But why go out like that? Literally all I remember from that match was that Brandy Rhodes looked good. Fucking two pulp frictions by Juice. And that was it. That's all I honestly remember. I mean, they I mean 411 Media has it like this. Brandy Rhodes is out with Cody. Cody tries to top attack before the bell, fakes a knee injury, Juice cuts him off. Juice hits the juice box. Brandy in and covers up Cody. This distracts Juice. They fight to the apron. Cody posts Juice. Cody takes control, working the arm, and they tease a ref bump. Uh, Brandy hits a spear. Cody follows with crossroads. That only got a two count. Uh, juice counters Dens fire. Uh, hits cross. He hits crossroads for a two count. Cody then hits a disaster kicks. Hits pulp friction of his own, which was kind of was very fucking shitty. By the way, that was that was, oh, that was bad. Um, whips Juice with the weight belt. Ref told him to get it out of the ring. He starts slapping him around. They traded uh, strikes and chops. Jabs by Juice followed up. Cody hit a super kick. Juice hits the KO. The, the, I believe it was the, called the left hand of God. Um, Pulp friction follows. Juice doesn't go for the cover. Hits a second. Wins the championship. That was your match. That was prob- That was literally the that was literally the biggest fail of the night. If if I had to grade that match alone, that was a serious F. It was it was it was soul crushing. It, it, it wasn't it wasn't it was breathtaking in the worst way possible. I think at that point it sucked the air out of the Tokyo Dome. Uh, thank goodness, right after that they had the Junior Heavyweight Championship match between Kushida and Ishimori, which kind of upped it a little bit. But my God, and I think I I told I talked I was talking to Kevin about this on Monday. And we were, and I even told Kevin, I hated that match. I hated Rhodes versus Robinson. That was fucking terrible. Um, and I love, and like I said, I'm a New Japan guy. I support New Japan whole throughout whatever they're gonna go through. But whoever had the idea of booking it like that should reconsider the next time they do a United States Heavyweight Championship match. Granted, Cody's now out of New Japan and focusing on AEW, but there's some things you can't be doing at all. That was the one match where I literally sat there for... I had to pause the match. I had to pause the uh, the show after 
And luckily, I had to go back into work after my break. But my God, if you want to, if you want, you want to talk about ugly. That was seriously probably the ugliest thing I had seen that night. Watching it, I hope you know. In the now going forward in 2019, the United States Heavyweight Title can be focused on. Juice Robinson can have a solid reign with the title, especially now that this is his second reign. I believe he's the first. Uh, I'm right. He is the fourth champion overall, and the only man right now to be can say he is a two-time United States Heavyweight Champion. So that's my good, bad, and ugly. So match of the night for me was Tetsuya Naito versus Chris Jericho. Yes, Omega Tanahashi killed it, had a great match, but I think with the severity of the match itself and what Tetsuya Naito and Chris Jericho had did, that was my match of the night. Number two would be Omega Tanahashi, and number three is Osprey versus Ibushi for the Never Openweight Championship. Those were my top three matches of the night. Those were, I think those three were solid. Okada White was good, but I think Ibushi Osprey was better, in my honest opinion. Uh, the MVP of Wrestle Kingdom, to me personally, was Shingo Takagi. I think, and if you want to go right behind him, it would be Jay White. I think both of these guys are being positioned to be top stars in their respective divisions. I think this is, they're going to have a very solid 2019, and I'm very curious to see what they do with them going forward. I guess uh, worst match of the night, of course, automatically goes to Cody versus Juice Robinson. That was a terrible match. Uh, definitely no replay value, one I wouldn't want to see ever again. Uh, to quote uh, Battle Rap Analyst Tech 9, I'm not stopping the microwave for it for this one. You could, you could literally skip that match and you'd be perfectly fine with it. Not seeing that at all. Overall grade, I'm going to give this event. Given what we saw, I will, I will give this show a C+. I know, I know, the hype for it was so big and you were really big on it, Zach, and all that stuff. But it was just... A middle, I'm not going to say it's a middle of the run show, but there were a lot of things that were, that went kind of eh. You know, there were good matches. There were, I mean, the three matches that I said for match of the night and then White Okada was good. Um, it's just that the tag team title matches fell way, went way too short. The Cody uh, Juice Robinson match was, was the shittiest I had ever seen of a Wrestle Kingdom. I, I've seen it last four or five years. Um, a lot of factors brought it down to a C plus grade. For me, uh, it was a good show. It was a good show overall, but there were a lot of factors that made me maybe question the shows overall. The booking decisions um, were the right ones. All of them were made correctly, except in my opinion, the pre-match uh, rumble in the gauntlet match. I would have thought Suzuki Goon OGBC uh, six-man tag title matchup would have been fucking awesome, especially the fact that they're going to start off the year with that at New Year's Dash, and of course. Um, OG, OGBCs retain their six-man uh, never openweight tag titles anyway, so really didn't help much the cause with uh, with that. But overall, it was, a solid, it was a good event. I enjoyed it. Overall, I always enjoy Wrestle Kingdom, and now we move forward with New Japan. Um, the announcements that they made for uh, 2019 going forward 
were that the two big ones that I took away from it. Dallas, I believe it's July 6th. Get ready. Get fucking ready. They're starting the G1 Climax in your city. Yes, they are starting it in America. Uh, I believe uh, it's either January 31st or February 2nd. I forget what today it was. Nashville, get ready. They're coming to your city. Along with Charlotte and LA. They're coming. Because the announcement, because the uh, love for the Charlotte show was so huge, they added a third date for the South. I think the biggest announcement overall for Wrestle Kingdom 14 in 2020 is that we're going to be getting two days of Wrestle Kingdom 14. January 4th and 5th, we are going to be getting two days of Wrestle Kingdom. That is probably the biggest announcement New Japan has had to date. You mean to tell me we get to get two days worth of New Japan's WrestleMania? Yeah, I'm fucking excited about that. Two days worth of Wrestle Kingdom, my body is not going to be ready. I have to prepare. I got to train. I got to figure all the shit out. I got to have to take days off for that because I'm not going to be working that day. I'm definitely going to be watching New Japan on the 4th and the 5th. Fuck your couch. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the good, the bad, and the very ugly of Wrestle Kingdom 13. Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 40. Can't believe we've already made it to 40 in such a short amount of period of time. Of the Young Lions perspective, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, whatever time you're checking out this podcast, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it, as always. And here's to 40 fucking more. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, like I always say, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast itself. Share it on your social media on all platforms, your Instagram, your Twitters, your Facebooks, whatever platforms you may have. Share it out there. Let the people know that the Young Lions perspective is the alternative for professional wrestling podcasts and that we are here to stay in 2019. It's only going to get bigger and better. I promise you that with all of my fucking heart. If you do not follow me on the Anchor app, and you want to listen to any of the other 39 episodes that I have of the podcast, you can check me out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective, and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. If you want to stay up to date on the podcast as a whole, when I'm doing episodes, uh, me talking about certain opinions on uh the product as a whole, whether it be from WWE, NXT, NXT UK, and New Japan. You can follow me on Twitter at SwayeSenatorWWY. I do live tweeting for SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, all WWE pay-per-views, all NXT pay-per-views. Now I will be live tweeting for NXT UK pay-per-views. And if I'm up early enough, any New Japan big shows that go down. Uh, also, follow me on Instagram at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective. Follow me on those platforms to stay up to date on the podcast as a whole so you miss nothing. And I guarantee you, nothing. So in terms of NXT and NXT UK, I will be doing an NXT UK uh, 
TakeOver Blackpool preview and predictions, my first one ever. It's going to be fucking epic. Uh, that may be a separate video, uh, separate podcast, I should say. I'm talking about video like I do YouTube. Uh, a separate uh, podcast in and of itself, just to keep that separate from the other rev- uh, NXT and NXT UK reviews. Uh, there will be an NXT review going down tomorrow, for sure. NXT UK review may be going down maybe over the weekend, or I may wait until Monday and Tuesday uh, when I have some time off to actually take care of that as well. So, of course, like I said, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at SwayCenterWI on Twitter, at Young underscore Lions underscore Perspective on Instagram, and stay up to date so you guys know what shows are going to be going down. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day. I know I will be. I'll be taking care of some stuff around the house and a little extracurricular activities for myself. So until we meet again for episode 41 of the podcast, have a great day. See you.